can turn and you can see the city and where they would have come, the big group, you know, with Judas and their, their torches and everything, he would have seen them coming, you know, even though he knew in his spirit, but I mean, like he saw them coming and he, he waited, he stayed there. He, he didn't run. I mean, just those type of things, just getting the perspective of the actual place was very impactful. Well, hello and welcome to the summer podcast series at Freedom Church. I am your host, Pastor Mike Brake. Excited to be with you today. And with me is my co-host and good friend, Mr. Stephen Castell. Stephen, how you doing? Doing all right, Mike. Good to good to have you. Good to have another conversation. We are doing this summer podcast series to help you stay connected. Uh, while you're out traveling, while you are out this summer doing different things, I don't know what you're doing. If you're uh, sitting by the pool or a beach or in the mountains or you're at home, I don't know. But it's a way for us as a as a church family to stay connected. We're with us today as well is my very good friends, Mr. Rendell Carver and Linda Carver. If you're listening today, you're in for a treat. Uh, Rendell and Linda went to Israel uh, just a few weeks ago, and we're going to talk about the things that they saw and the things that they experienced there. And if you've never been, or if you've been, you're going to love this interview. Uh, we're going to have a fantastic time. But before we do, before we do, Stephen, we are still not sponsored as a podcast. We're looking for that sponsor, uh, but we have a non-sponsor sponsor, and so Stephen's going to give us that today. Uh, this week's uh, non-sponsor sponsor is. The Silhouette Cameo Vinyl Cutters. For all your crafting needs, you can do things like uh, dyeing disc golf discs. You can cut stickers and uh, do all sorts of projects with it. So go pick one up. Uh, they're fun, and the community is great and uh, helpful. Now, you do discs for disc golf, but what else are some of the main things that you do, like coffee mugs or laptops? or? I do uh, coffee mugs. Uh, I've cut stickers for uh, car windows and stuff like that. And what's what's the name of the brand again? It's the Silhouette Cameo. All right. Well, Silhouette Cameo, if you are listening and you want to sponsor the podcast, freedomla.church at gmail.com, and we will would love to have you sponsor uh, our podcast. Um, all right. So today we're, we're going to talk about Israel, but I'm going to set it up like this because we just, uh, at the time of this recording, I just finished uh, a sermon. Uh, called Summer Bucket List. This trip to Israel, Rendell and Linda, I'm going to assume was on your kind of like a life bucket list item for you guys to go and travel to Israel. And I, I'm curious as to why. Like, what is it? What was kind of, unpack that for me a little bit of what, why was this such a, an important trip for you guys uh, to, to take? And, and why did you want to go? Well, for me, it's putting all the scripture into context into the geographical and historical context that when you go someplace and you visualize you know it's kind of like watching the chosen it shows you what it looked like at that time and but actually going to israel and, and being at the sites where jesus walked where paul was where peter, peter preached pentecost where the miracles happened the healing and all that 
actually seeing that, you know, going to the places where you don't understand fully the scripture, like what the gates of hell is until you go to Caesarea Philippi and you stand in front of this cave that they believed was the gateway to Hades. Okay. And that's where Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against his kingdom. Yeah. And I'd, I've heard people describe it like, um, I w- I'm not old enough to remember this, but back in the day, the t- TV was only in black and white. Mm-hmm. And uh, they described like reading the Bible as, as like that black and white TV. But then going to Israel wasn't, it, it, the jump wasn't even just from black and white TV to color TV. It was like going from black and white TV to 3D full color IMAX. Mm-hmm. To yeah. when you go to Israel, and I was just like, "Wow, that's that's pretty amazing." Uh, Linda, how about you? What what was it for you on this this trip? To like, hey, I, this was a very important trip I want to take. Well, initially, um, well, it goes back to doing the Bible recap, which um, we started with Charlie Cobble. I started with that about three years ago, and um, Jan, my best friend, um, had signed up for a trip, and I was like can we go with you? <laughs> and so, so that kind of started the ball rolling. Um, but I had an opportunity to go when I was in eighth grade with my uncle, who was a pastor and, um, I'd never flown. I would have been the youngest person. So I didn't, I was too afraid to take that opportunity. So when the opportunity came up again, it was like, you know, we're absolutely <laughs> going to go. And it, it was, amazing so tell us how did you guys uh go did you go by yourself did you go with the group because i know going over there is logistically maybe a a bit complicated so how did that process take place so uh we do the bible recap with carolee cobble which is a a daily podcast of reading the bible through chronologically which quick time out like that is an amazing podcast if you're looking for any sort of supplement in your in your bible reading check that out with tara lee cobble because it's it's phenomenal you're going to get some good stuff it's quick what is it like seven eight minutes each day uh so you're not overwhelmed but very insightful yes and so she does two trips a year so we signed up through her website and got on a list and we actually signed up 17 months before we went. So it was a long wait. Of course, COVID and everything affected some things, but she generally goes in April and September each year. Okay. You wait 17 months, trip (laughs) comes, you're, you're flying over. Uh, I assume you fly into, uh, Tel Aviv, but give us a little bit of picture of, I don't, you know, I don't even know where that is. I don't, I'm going to assume like most of us, even though I went to seminary and I'm supposed to know my Israel geography, <laughs> um, you know, where is Tel Aviv? What's that look like? Uh, where did they take you from there? Tel Aviv is on the western coast of Israel, and it is on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, and it's absolutely beautiful. Sunsets are awesome. These trips, we stay in very nice hotels, some of the nicest hotels we've ever stayed in. Uh, right across from the beach and although we were only there one night then we took off the next day and went up the coast to Caesarea Maritima and then on to Megiddo and Mount Carmel and and then uh, stayed the night at uh, 
a hotel on the Sea of Galilee. So it's really interesting to see all these sites and how much you can see in such a short period of time. Okay, and you just ripped off a bunch of names there uh, about Mount Carmel and Megiddo. And, you know, if you've read your Bible, you're like, hey, I think those are are in there. But, um, you know, now you're actually there. What's What were some of the things there for you to see? I mean, yes, it's a location and the name might I might read over it in, in the Bible. And yes, some sort of event happened there. But when you go to these places, what's what's some of the things that you are actually getting to, to look at and observe? So Caesarea Maritima was a Roman uh, capital of the province that included Jerusalem in the first century. And uh, it the ruins there now have the Pilate's palace where he governed, as well as a hippodrome and uh, gymnasium ruins next to it where they used to have the horse races and chariot races and things like that. And it's right on the sea. And it's also where Paul uh, probably was in prison for two years while he waited to go to Rome. We were talking about uh, they have Pilate's uh, palace and stuff there. Um, how do we know that those uh, places are the actual place that these people uh, were at? Well, it actually goes a little deeper than how do we know Pontius Pilate was actually a historical figure there other than from scripture. And there was a lot of skepticism that Pilate was an actual historical figure until 1961. And in 1961, they found a stone uh, that was part of the inscription has been destroyed, but it had the inscription uh, essentially saying this is uh, Pontius Pilate's dedicated to him and and it's it was found at this site and uh, now there's a replica of the stone because the stone's been moved to a museum but at that site there's a replica and that's the how they say this is where we knew two things we know pontius Pilate was a historical figure now for sure and this was where his palace was you know you read your bible and you want to know, is this reliable? Do these things really happen? And I, I think those are healthy questions to ask, by the way. But what I lo- what's so fascinating is when you go to Israel, you're seeing firsthand the actual archaeological finds that back up the things that are being said. When you go to some of these sites, too, like, okay, that's that's a pretty hard find. You know, 1961, they found this thing. That's great evidence that this man actually existed in history. But some of these sites, too, I would say would be uh, questionable. Like some of them maybe aren't so sure. And so do you have any examples of that? And and how did the, your tour guides talk about areas that maybe are like, well, we think, but maybe not? So we had, besides Tara Lee Cobble, who was the overall leader and does mostly just does devotionals, we had an Israeli... Jewish guide who uh, is not a believer, but he uh, has a degree in New Testament and historical studies. And he, uh, he does a lot of the historical background and they rate the sites as A, B, and C. A being we're really sure, but we're not, we can never be a hundred percent sure, but we're really sure this is a place. A B side is where this place fits it 
it's probably, but we don't have as much certainty, and C sites where the tradition has held that this is the place, but or this place is just consistent with a few things, but we don't really know. And so, for example, the tomb, the empty tomb, um, there are two places that that are held to be traditionally as where the empty tomb was, and one was the church is built on top of called the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, but it doesn't quite fit uh, some of the other pieces that we see in scripture, like it was probably on the road to Damascus so that it would be a deterrent where the crucifixions have happened. It would be a deterrent to, to the travelers, you know, to criminals. And uh, so there's the garden tomb, which has more consistent features, but we don't know for sure. It's a garden. It has, it's a rich, a rich man had it because there's wine press and there's other things that suggest this was a wealthy uh, person's possessions and there's a tomb a cave now there's 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 nothing in it <laughs> right now yeah. of course but so that's kind of an example of a site that probably where the empty tomb actually was but we don't know for sure what rating was it it was a b it was a b you then you don't just stay in Tel Aviv and around there. You guys head up north. And I think I want to talk about Capernaum because to me that's where when you read a lot of the miracles that took place in, in the Bible, uh, Peter and John and those guys, that's where they're from. If you've watched The Chosen, you see that they hang out there quite a bit. But, I mean, that's coming from the Gospels. So what was it like being in Capernaum and in that area where Jesus has a lot of his recorded miracles taking place you knew he did a lot of ministry there those disciples were from there let me jump in real quick um for my geography brain and stuff when you're talking about distances how far are we talking so in israel the the whole country of israel is on the order of the size of new jersey or or something like that so it's not near as big as new mexico to drive from the top from the north to the south it's longer than it is wide it takes about six hours and what is also very interesting is so you we went out on the sea of galilee in a boat and you go off the shore a little ways and what's interesting is you can see okay, you know they'll point out there's where the the sermon on the mount uh, was there's where bethsaida and capernaum and uh, tiberius yes. all these areas you can see where Jesus spent the vast majority of his ministry was in a sh you know a short distance that you can see all of it in one time basically, and so it's it's a small area. And so back to Mike's question: so what's there? First of all, um, they there are two things at Capernaum that they excavated. One is a bunch of houses, a housing area, and one of which they believe was Peter's house. And it goes back to like the fourth century is when it was believed to be Peter's house. And there's a church that was built around it in like 400 AD. That's also probably where Jesus lived because in scripture, when Peter goes in, uh, sorry, when Jesus goes into Peter's mother-in-law's bedroom, well, only a person, only a man who wasn't family that lived in the house could go into a bedroom. And so he probably lived with Peter there. The other thing that's there is there's actually two synagogues, one built on top of another. 
Uh, one was a first century synagogue and and then it was it's at some point had been broken down and and they built another one on top of it but the one on top of it also dates to about the fourth century a.d but they've excavated all that down and so you can see here's what a synagogue looked like you can see they had an elaborate stone table where they would roll out the scroll and read the the biblical scrolls that's what you can see at uh, capernaum okay Describe for me some of the feelings that you have there. Now, it may have been like, hey, my feeling was I was hungry because we were on this long tour and trip. (laughs) But like you're just describing some things where it's like, hey, there's where Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount. And hey, there's, uh, you know, uh, a synagogue where maybe Jesus preached or hey, there's a place where, you know, Jesus did some healing or here's the Sea of Galilee where Jesus, you know, did the miracle with the fish and you know, to me, like I'm talking about my summer bucket list. I go to some of these stadiums, which are kind of like cathedrals for baseball, you know, and I'm like Fenway Park, you know, just the, oh, to be there and the nostalgia and the history. But this is Jesus, our Lord, our Savior. What's some of the feelings in some of these places? You you can't prepare yourself really for that. I mean, it. it and it's still, it's such a long, um, we're going to be processing this trip for the rest of our life. You know, there are times we walk down a street and they go, we know this is a first century street. Jesus would have walked on this street to go to the market. Everyone walked on this street. You know, it, it's just almost too much to take in, but, but it's beautiful at the same moment. And um, so really they describe this trip as, you are going to be an information overload. It's like receiving a fire hose of information. And so it really does take a while to process, but we definitely had God moments every day (laughs) throughout the trip. Well, you you mentioned God moments. I'm I'm always curious. What's one that comes to mind? We call them at Freedom Church. We call them God sightings. God sighting is where did you see God? move either in your life or somebody else's life. And sometimes that's, Hey, I read the scripture and it spoke to me today. Sometimes it's that little nudge from God to saying, Hey, here's your next step. Go do that. Um, but what's, what's a, you said you had them every day, but just give us an example of one that you had. Well, one that comes to mind for me is, um, just being on the sea of Galilee and we did a devotional about Jesus, the storm coming, and Jesus walking on the water. And um, we just had what she, you know, private reflection time where everybody's silent for 10 to 15 minutes and you just journal or pray or think. And, and the question they ask us is what storm are you going through in your life? And how do you look at that storm and how are you processing it? What are you wanting God to do through that storm? So I just feel like that was just a, just a beautiful time of releasing some things to the Lord. Mm. On the Sea of Galilee, where On the, the storm took place. <laughs> yeah, so um, that was really a powerful for me. And for me, it was the whole trip was more about putting more concrete evidence for the scripture. You know, seeing all this archaeology and all this history. Um, you know, an example is we went to Qumran, where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. And a little history on that, that you learn all this and you really internalize it when you go to Israel, 
um, the Essenes were a sect that had of Jews that had uh, moved out of Jerusalem because they wanted to be more pure, and they dedicated their lives to copying the scriptures for when God was going to restore the full kingdom of Israel. And this started in about the around 100 BC, 125 is when they found in 1947. So, you know, there's always this question of how do we know we have the scriptures that were written so long ago were properly copied and transmitted us to us today. And people assume because before the Dead Sea Scrolls, there was, there was, you know, the earliest copies of scripture were four or 500 years after Jesus, but the Essenes had made these copies and they went up during the uprising in around 70, uh, 66 to 73 AD, the Roman uprising, they thought they'd come back and they'd put all these scrolls in these caves, but they were wiped out. So these scrolls stayed there mm. until 1947, a little shepherd boy is looking for a lost goat and he stumbles across these scrolls in these caves. And one, an example is one of the scrolls they found was the entire scroll of Isaiah, all 66 uh, chapters and in one scroll intact. And uh, the, as our guide said, if you, you grew up in Israel, you learn Hebrew and you, a Hebrew boy can read that scroll. Because it, the language has not changed. The language has not changed, and it sat there for over 1900, for about 2,000 years. Uh, and and what we have today in our Bible today is, in essence, the same. There's it's it's, it's the equivalent of yeah. There's changes in punctuation and things like that, but it's essentially the same as what we have today in our Old Testament book of Isaiah. That makes my uh, church nerd uh, very <laughs> happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, so because that was a highlight for him, you to see the Dead Sea Scrolls was. Did you get to yeah. see this the I, the scrolls? Did you actually get to see? So, um, so all the scrolls have been moved to a museum in Jerusalem, and because they're so fragile, the majority of them are kept in storage, and they have some of the fragments. Uh, on, display. on display and they rotate them out so they'll so you can actually see real fragments uh the in that entire scroll of isaiah is being preserved so they made a replica of it and it's in this museum it's uh it's like it's like 20 21 feet long and so they have it uh wrapped around this circular uh display case that you can walk around and see the and it's just amazing you know that's why there was the tables, they had these very long scrolls that they would roll out. And it's, yes, so you can see actual fragments, some of the scrolls they found. And there were hundreds and hundreds of fragments and, and, and some complete scrolls that they found there. And so for Rindle, kind of what I hear you saying is, hey, there was the God moments for me were more in some of the, just the things you learned or the things that maybe you already knew about, but you got to see them firsthand. Yes. Well, like for another example, it's just learning context of the culture and where, um, 
you know, actually being at a site, like say in, in Bethlehem, you know, they were talking about the shepherds and how Jesus, when he was born, was wrapped in swaddling clothes. And then they share with us that shepherds, when a perfect lamb was born, they would wrap it in swaddling clothes to prepare it, to keep it for sacrifice. And so making those kind of connections, or when we were walking down uh, the Palm Sunday road and, um, you know, where Jesus talks about if, you know, the, the Pharisees are saying, make them be quiet. They shouldn't be saying these things about you. And Jesus says, if they don't praise me, the rocks will cry out. Well, there's a cemetery right there. And it's like, okay, maybe he's talking about the dead will come up and praise me. But also in Jerusalem, in, when they go visit a, a grave site, they don't take flowers. They put a stone on top of the grave to show that they have been there to visit. So it's just getting the context of, of event. I mean, another one that really spoke to me was in the Garden of Gethsemane that, um, you know, we're sitting there and, you know, how he prayed with the disciples and everything. It's at night. And where they would have come, the big group, you know, with Judas and their their torches and everything, he would have seen them coming, you know, even though he knew in his spirit. But I mean, like he saw them coming and he, he waited. He stayed there. He he didn't run. I mean, just those type of things, just getting the perspective of the actual place was very impactful, too. OK, you guys are blowing my mind. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, now, you guys had a special moment there, a very personal moment, uh, where you guys got baptized in the Jordan River, which is where we know uh, that Jesus was also baptized in the Jordan River. Uh, walk us through that experience for you guys. Why was that an important thing? And, and just what was that like for you guys to experience that together there? So first, just let me give a little background and Linda can answer where we were baptized with not where Jesus was baptized, but where it was the Jordan River. It was just upstream where Jesus was baptized, where they don't know for sure, but the probable location, you know, there's lots of bugs and it's muddy water and it's, it's just, it's a mess. And so uh, instead you go upstream where the water's just coming out of the Sea of Galilee. It's very clean and there's hundreds of people there getting baptized i mean literally hundreds so for me there was not a doubt when that was presented as an option to get baptized in the jordan river even though i've been baptized as a believer um just as a symbol i think of rededication and and just this is what my lord and savior did for me i mean it's kind of just indescribable i don't know and but it was a very special moment because quite a few people did get baptized there together, all of us. And, and um, it was just a very special moment. Linda cried lots on this trip. <laughs> there were lots of no way. No way. <laughs> I never cried. Now, I think you guys ended your trip in Jerusalem, which is also, you know, Jesus is all over that area. But Jerusalem, that's like the climax, and so many big things happen there. What's there today? Is it is it just uh, too like so touristy and so big and large, or are some of these sites still still there for you to see? What 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 did you guys get to experience there? 
Well, there are a ton of sites still there. Uh, and it's also very interesting culturally because there, there are uh, three religions that converge at Jerusalem. And at, in fact, at the Temple Mount, uh, where the temple that uh, Solomon built was built, the original temple, that was destroyed and rebuilt uh, again in Herod's time. And it's the intersection of Islam because in Islam, after it was, the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, the Islamic people believed that Muhammad ascended to heaven at the very site of the temple. And so they built a monument there called the Dome of the Rock. And to the, just to the south of that, on the Temple Mount, they also built a, a, a mosque. And you hear the call to prayer in Jerusalem, the calls to prayer, however many times a day they do it, three times a day. Then they also built up against this because they didn't think about history the way we think about history today. And so you know, part of the Temple Mount has been excavated, but part of it, there are houses built right up against the, the Temple Mount. And there's a Muslim quarter, and there's a Christian quarter, and there's Jewish quarter. And so it's the intersection of this. And so, yes, it's touristy. You see lots of tourists and lots of tourist bus. It wasn't overwhelming, though. It wasn't like going to New York City. It's not that crowded. Then there's so many other pieces that are still there, like there's the Pool of Siloam, where uh, there was a healing. There's the Pool of Bethesda. That's where the paralytics was there, they've excavated uh, uh, that, and that's where the paralytics was there for 30 years, and Jesus came along and asked him if he wanted to be healed, and he healed him. Went to the southern steps where Jesus, there's part of the southern steps that are from that time where Jesus taught when he was 12, you know, when they were trying to find him, <laughs> when he stayed back in Jerusalem, and we got to go to the Wailing Wall, the Western Wall, um, which yeah. is actually a prayer wall where mm -hmm. lots of, and it's segregated by men and women, men sitting there reading their scriptures, Jewish men mm -hmm. sitting there reading their scriptures and praying and lots of Christians coming in. And, but it's a Jewish holy site, so you have to put on the little thing on your head to go in. You know, so all a, a, a big cultural, but it, it it's not as I did, I would say it's not as much touristy as it is a holy site. Speaking specifically within Jerusalem, any God sightings there? I mean, you have the empty tomb. You you mentioned the Garden of Gethsemane. Yeah, I agree. The Garden of Gethsemane was quite an experience, and it's an olive grove. There are at least two olive trees that they believe are two over two thousand years old. So they were there when Jesus was there. Wow. And, Quick question. What was the rating of the Garden of Gethsemane? An A site. It was an A, which means? They're pretty yeah. sure, really sure that's where it was. And, you know, and it's not a very big area. And it's, it's still an, it's an olive grove. It's been, it's not an active olive grove currently. It just has some olive trees in it. It's, it's more a holy site for people to come. But yeah, you're sitting there, you know, you know they know where the temple was because they excavated down to it. And it's an impressive feat of, if you're a civil engineer, you'll be really impressed because the foundation stones are like 30 feet long by 13 feet wide by 10 feet high. And they, they laid these stones 
man with manual labor and the wall is as straight today <laughs> you can look down the side of the southern wall and it is just straight as an arrow <laughs> for, for several you know at least a hundred feet if not a couple hundred feet so it's just impressive so you, you contemplate you know this is where jesus was this is where he prayed you know father you know your will be done and it's just awesome you guys are convincing me that i need to go yeah um i've never really contemplated that too much so you guys are convincing me that i need to do that what kind of advice would you give me uh preparing to go um maybe not right now but how do you prepare yourself and what should i do save money because <laughs> uh, it's, it's you can get cheaper ones but they've gotten more expensive especially with covid um, so save money first but go try to find a a tour we highly recommend uh Terry Lee cobbles trips uh with israelux is the tour company israel with a ux on the end the reason I recommend them and I recommend you find a tour company that has a Christian focus and has Christians that are leading it, but they also had a Jewish, they had two Jewish guides, one for each of our two buses that we were on that were extremely knowledgeable in Jewish history and Christian history and scripture. Mm -hmm. uh, and so if you can find a company that does that, I would highly recommend though having a guide so they can give you the context that you wouldn't get just by visiting the site. You get a lot just by visiting the site because you can read about stuff and you can Google it, but you, it's, it's not the same as having somebody that's an expert. Well, and to share it, to share it with a group of people who are like-minded, um, you know, it was a big group, but there were absolutely no issues on the trip. It was so smooth and, um, just everyone had the same heart um, to learn more. It was, I mean, she describes it as a teaching trip. So I agree with Rendell that you would find one that is a teaching trip. It is a once in a lifetime thing and uh, it has changed our lives and it will change the way we read the Bible. I mean, it's brought it to life. It has absolutely brought it to life. Stephen, my That's advice good. for going to Israel would be you go with Rendell and Linda when they lead the 2024 <laughs> trip for freedom trip. you heard it here first folks no. <laughs> um no that's a joke sort of um <laughs> i wish we could i wish we could <laughs> you guys didn't know you were organizing that but it's happening <laughs> to me but what i'm hearing from you guys it's not just the historical things that you'll learn or the spiritual things that you'll encounter with being at some of these sites and, and recognizing and God going, but it's also the terrain. The, it's so yeah. beautiful. Mm -hmm. You, I mean, you have the Mediterranean sea and just the beauty of, of that landscape. And then you have mountains, you have desert, you have valleys, mm -hmm. you have rivers, you have um, just so much variety in such a small space. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, we just can. The topography, how, you know, our guide was very good about saying that topography was important because like Jerusalem's up on a hill, you know, so they walk up to Jerusalem. So it, it, it just makes sense about so many different things he taught us about. Yeah. When you see, when you read the Psalms and you see at the top, it says it's a Psalm of Ascent. Well, 
they would go to Jerusalem three times a year if you were a, a devout uh, Hebrew or Jew, and you would sing these songs of ascent as you ascended the, the nice. hills to go from below sea level, the Dead Sea is 600 feet below sea level or something like that, up to Jerusalem, which is, a, I don't remember, a couple thousand feet above. And so um, it, the topography is very interesting. And Jerusalem is, is a hill from all sides, all directions. You go uphill to get there. Well, Rendell and Linda, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for taking the time to share with us uh, a little bit of, of your journey uh, through Israel and some of your personal takeaways. Thank you for being a little bit vulnerable with us and, and giving us some of your insights. Um, I love you guys personally and just want to take the time to just say how much I appreciate you guys as family and uh, our friendship and what you've meant to Rita and myself and our boys. Um, but thank you for this interview. I want to kind of wrap it up here, Stephen, with uh, me and you, because uh, I want our, our audience, hey, we listen to this, but what's our takeaway? Like, it's one thing to hear this, um, but I'd love to hear just a quick snapshot. Stephen, what are you taking away from uh, this conversation with Rendell and Linda? I'm taking away just the encouragement of, you know, secondhand uh, hearing about the historical accuracies and uh, the stories that they're telling about. Um, this is where Jesus was, this is where uh, this miracle happened. Um, just being encouraged that, you know, this is true. And um, I guess it's on my bucket list now of going over there and seeing it for myself. What about you, Mike? Uh, my takeaway is when, when I read in my Bible and it names a location, mm -hmm. if it names a city or if it names a valley or if it, it names it, it is probably named for a reason. And so often I will read it, move on, don't even think about it. And I think, I, you know, I'm not going to do it every time in my quiet time, but there's going to be enough times when I need to, uh, my takeaway is to, to do a little digging uh, about that place. And there's probably a reason it was put there in scripture, which I'm learning from Rendell and Linda. Man, it, it wasn't put in scripture by accident. And, and there was way more context behind it. And there's so much beauty and depth. And I want to see my Bible go from black and white to color. Probably not quite 3D until I actually go to Israel. But, you know, you get that you get that picture. And I think that to me is uh, a, a beautiful thing. Well, listen, uh, if you're listening today, I just want to thank you for joining us at Freedom for our summer podcast series would love to hear your takeaway. And here's what I want you to do. Just go to our, our inbox. Uh, if it's on Instagram, shoot us a little message. If it's on Facebook, shoot us a message and just say, hey, here's my insight from this trip to Israel. Here's my takeaway. I'd love to hear that and follow up with you. Or an email, freedomla.church at gmail.com. We'd love to know that you listen. Just gives us some encouragement. And one of the best things you can do, if you if you got something from this today, you got a takeaway, uh, share it, like it, rate it. It helps get the message out. And we're doing this podcast series specifically to help you take next steps of faith during the summer. And I know a lot of us, we're on the road, on the go, doing a lot of amazing things. We can't always be in the room. And so this is a way to stay connected as a church family while you're out. Now, if you're here in Los Alamos or White Rock on Sundays, get in the room. We are going to be starting up our series, the Red or Green Question Q&A series. 
that you are not going to want to miss all through July and August. We've got great stuff coming up. For the podcast coming up, we got more interviews, we got more questions and leadership things that we're going to be discussing. You're not going to want to miss, so subscribe and uh, again, rate and review. Brenda and Linda, again, thank you guys so much. Appreciate you guys. Steven, thanks for joining in. Who's our sponsor again today? One more time, our non-sponsor sponsor. sponsor? Uh, the company Silhouette. They make the vinyl cutters that are the cameos. All right. You know, you know it. Go get it. All right. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Keep taking those next steps of faith, and we will see you next week online.